A few years ago, and we have heard it every Christmas since, Andy Williams sung about how this is the most wonderful time of the year. And I'm sure as you've heard that song sung, there are times when you've heard that lyric and you've thought, well, is it really? <laughs> is it really? And some of the reasons that he gives in his song for it being wonderful don't really give us that deep sense of wonder that we are craving for. So as I've been preparing for Advent, I open my dictionary before I open my Bible, which isn't always a smart thing, because I wanted to find out what wonder, as in wonderful, really means. This is the definition that it said. Feeling of surprise, mingled with admiration, caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. I looked at that definition, and then I opened my Bible, and in this king, in this babe, is wonder. Jesus is something surprising that is worthy of our admiration. He is someone, his story is so beautiful. He came in an unexpected way to unfamiliar people and he loves us inexplicably with a love that we don't deserve. The question that I want to ask this Advent is how do we become wonderful? How do we become full of wonder? So what I want to ask and look at over the next few weeks are some of the characters, some of the smaller characters who make a cameo on this incredible Christmas story. And I want to look at their lives and what they did and the part they played and ask the question as they were getting ready for Christmas, how were they full of wonder. You know, so, so often, um, you know, we, we, we kind of have this uh, wonder tank, right? My guess is that most of us, most of the time, in our wonder and awe levels, we're kind of pretty empty. But one of the great things about Christmas is that if we uh, focus right, if we walk through it in the right way together, our wonder tank gets full. So today I want to tell you and talk to you and talk through the story of a guy called Simeon. Simeon was a guy who probably for most of his life, his wonder tank was depleting quickly towards empty. But by the end of his life, and in the last days and the last hours of his life, that tank was overflowing with awe and wonder because he had seen Jesus. So the story starts in church. It starts in a temple. If you want to follow along, it's in Luke chapter 2, uh, starting at verse 25. If you want to version that, you can as well. And there's some extra thoughts in there as well. 
But it starts in church, it starts in temple, it starts eight days after Jesus was born. Because the law said that once a baby was born, uh, he had to be taken to the temple and he was circumcised on the eighth day and dedicated to God at that time. Mary and Joseph uh, wanted to be faithful. Right? They, they, were, they were so uh, overwhelmed, overawed with anything that they kind of just held tightly to the letter of the law. So they go to church this one day to the temple to dedicate their son, Jesus, to God. Really what's happening there is that they are dedicating him back to God, right? Because he came from God. And the priest is probably there blessing uh, little baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph uh, performing their religious rite. And there was a sacrifice that they had to make uh, in order for Jesus to be dedicated. Uh, it says that the, uh, in verse 24, they could either give a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That all depend on your um, economic state at the time and all that kind of stuff. So Mary and Joseph are in the temple having this religious service with their eight-day-old little baby Jesus. Also in the temple, verse 25, there was a man named Simeon. Simeon had lived in Jerusalem for a long time. And like a lot of people in Jerusalem, Simeon was very religious. We read he was righteous he did the right thing. He cared about justice. He didn't do the wrong thing. He was very devout. He was very disciplined. And he was eagerly ex waiting, eagerly expecting the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Probably at this time, Simeon is an older man. And probably for a very, very long time, because he's a religious man, almost every day he had gone to the temple to do his duty. You know what happens if you do the same thing day in, day out, day in, day out for many years? It starts to drain your tank, right? It starts to get monotonous. It starts to get a little bit boring. But Simeon had this hope. It was a hope of the rescue of Israel. Some versions of the Bible will say consolation of Israel. He was holding on to this crazy promise that had been spoken about for hundreds of years before that God was going to send a king to bring peace to Israel. He was going to bring consolation. He was going to rescue them from all the junk, all the confusion, all the pain that they were experiencing. And day after day, after day, after day, he kept going to temple as a righteous man, hoping that God was going to show up. Day after day, because he believed this promise. One thing that's very interesting about this word consolation that some of you will have in your Bibles is that the word for consolation comes from the same word that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that is very clear around this Holy Spirit 
around this season is that the Holy Spirit is active. And if, 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 if rescue is going to come, it's going to come through God's Holy Spirit, right? And at this time in the story, man, the Holy Spirit was so active, releasing the angels to sing, impregnating uh, Mary with Jesus, guiding Mary and Joseph as they moved forward. But that Holy Spirit that talks of rescuing Israel is also upon Simeon. The Holy Spirit was upon him, 25. And the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. So here's Simeon going about his duty every day because he believes that God is going to send a king. That's a promise that was made. That was a promise that every Jew knew of. But Simeon was given a more specific detail, a very personal promise within that bigger promise. And the promise specifically for him was that he, Simeon, would not die until he saw the Messiah coming. Now, that's a pretty crazy promise to hold on to. In fact, if, if someone came to me and said, hey, I got this promise from God that I'm not going to see, I'm not going to die until Jesus comes back, I would probably say, you're talking to the wrong person. You don't need to be talking to a pastor. You need to be talking to a psychiatrist or something like that. But he's not big and he's not loud and he's not um, making a fool of himself. He's just holding it quietly in his heart as he faithfully goes about his religious duty. 27, that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. Right? Imagine the scene. You got Simeon over here who's had this crazy promise, not just that the Messiah would come, but that he wasn't going to die until he saw the baby. On the other side of the temple, you got Mary and Joseph, these scared teenagers, dedicating their little eight year old baby to God. I imagine it's like the Lion King movie, right? Is it Mufasa and Simba? Right? And I imagine Joseph kind of doing one of these things and. Maybe that I don't know what they're singing in the background, but you, you know the movie, right? So you're in a temple. You got Simeon over here with his promise from God, and you've got Mary and Joseph over here dedicating Jesus. And Simeon sees what's going on, and you can imagine his heart starts to beat. And imagine it starts to beat uh, pretty aggressively. Maybe he's thinking, I don't want to see that baby right now because I don't want to die. <laughs> but what's really going on is his heart is beating because he is in awe and he is in wonder because this crazy thing that God told him so many years ago is coming true. 
Here's the first thing that I think Simeon teaches us about wonder. If we want to experience wonder and awe this Christmas, we've got to hold on tightly to the promises of God. Simeon had heard these promises. He knew of these promises, but he'd been waiting a very, 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 very long time for them to come true. And with every day that passes, perhaps his hope started to diminish. And when our hope starts to diminish, we move further and further away from the wonder and awe that God invites us into. Simeon was able to experience wonder because he held on to the crazy promise of God. Here's the deal. If we want to experience wonder this Christmas, we have to hold on to some of the great and glorious promises that God offers us, right? When we're feeling lonely, he promises that he will never leave us or forsake us. When we're feeling um, unloved, he promises that he loves us with a never-ending love. There are many things that these, these pages are. But one of the, the most important things that they are is a promise from God to us. If we want to experience wonder, we have to hold on to the promises of God. Well, that was okay for Simeon because, man, there was a lot of spiritual stuff going on there. But there is not a character in the Bible who did anything significant without holding on tightly to a promise of God against all odds. If we want to experience wonder, we have to hold on to promises. Does that make sense? When God gives us a promise, if we hold on to that promise, that's one of the first steps towards wonder. Simeon reminds us this Christmas season, hold on to God's promises to you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will give you your daily bread. Where you are hurting, he will heal you. He has prepared a place for you in heaven. He will provide for all your needs according to his riches and glory. Those are things that he's promised. And if we want to ex experience wonder, do not neglect the promises. Hold on to the promises of God because that's the foundation of wonder. So Mary and Joseph are over here doing the Simba thing with Jesus, right? And Simeon's over here. His heart is beating because he's holding on to, to this promise. And it says in verse 28, he took the child in his arms and praised God. Now, now just, just stop there. If, if I'm doing like a little baby dedication or a baptism and someone I don't know comes up and says, can I hold your baby? It ain't happening. <laughs> but somehow he convinces Mary and Joseph to let him hold the baby. And as he's holding this baby Jesus, his promise that God made is being fulfilled in him. And this is his moment. His wow tank, his 
oil tank, his wonder tank that had been so low because he'd been doing the same thing over and over again with no change. Man, he's got Jesus in his arms. And I think something significant is happening that Scripture doesn't tell us here. As in this moment, he is holding Jesus in his arms. God is holding Simeon in his arms. This is his minute. This is his moment. You know, um, Tracy will tell you that I'm a big Whitney Houston fan. One of my favorite Whitney Houston songs, I, I, I don't know if it was the 86 or 90 Olympics, right, where she released that song, One Moment in Time. You know that song? I'd sing it to you, but it wouldn't sound anything like she is. Look it up later. Look at the lyrics, right? You good? Because I can't, I mean, I try, right? But it talks about finding this, this one moment in time when I'm more than I thought I could be, when all of my dreams are a heartbeat away and the answers are all up to me, right? Though I didn't sing it, but you get the gist, right? This is Simeon's one moment in time moment. He's right there. He's holding Jesus. He's had this promise that wonder was coming. And as he's holding Jesus in his arms, wonder has come. His tank is full. And what does he do when his tank is full? He starts to worship. As wonder starts in a promise, wonder always concludes in worship. And he sings possibly what is one of the first Christmas carols. Listen to what he sings. Again, if I knew the tune, I'd sing it to you, but we don't know the tune, so I'm going to have to read it. Sorry. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. What's he saying there? There, there is nothing in this world that could compare with this moment now. I'm done. I'll give the baby back, but then you take me out <laughs> because there's nothing else that I want in life. My, 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 my checklist is done. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for your people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Just one moment in time, he's caught up and he starts to sing this incredible worship song. Because wonder starts with promise and wonder ends with worship. One other thing to note about this song. This song is all about God's goodness. Look, look at some of the words. I am your servant. You have promised. You have prepared for your people. He is the glory of your people, Israel. He's focused in this song, not on himself, but on God. That, that's the essence of worship right there, right? If we want to keep Christ front and center, it's got to be all about him because anything else infringes on that and gets in the way, right? Wonder starts with promise. Wonder ends with worship. But one of the things that I love about Simeon is that he is so real. Starts in promise, ends in worship. He gives the baby back to Mary and Joseph. And it says in verse 33, Jesus' parents were amazed 
at what was being said about him. Now for Mary and Joseph to be amazed at this is pretty amazing because they've been on a journey of amazement for the last nine months, right? It's amazed on top of amazed on top of amazed. But what I love about this and what Simeon has done is that he is sharing and he is spreading the wonder. He has the promise. It leads him to worship. And then the result of this worship is that the wonder spreads to other people, to those that were closest around him in proximity. 34, then Simeon blessed them, which is good because every parent needs some encouragement, especially teenage parents who have just given birth to the Son of God. (laughs) And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, and you wonder, why is he looking at Mary and not Joseph? And I think the reality is, because what he's going to say next won't happen until Joseph has probably passed away. So Mary, the mom is going to have to carry the weight of this burden. And he says, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. That word doesn't seem to fit the story that's been told, right? God's got a wonderful promise for you. It's going to be awesome. And the promise is fulfilled. And they're living in worship because they're so full of wonder. They're at this high moment, the one moment in time when Simeon is all that he thought he could be. I'm done. But what he does with that is he turns back round into real life. And he said, this is going to be really, really hard. This is going to be really, really tough. And I love this picture he paints of what it's like to live on earth now. We got the promise. We're holding on to the promise but it hasn't been fully fulfilled yet. But as we're waiting, we wait in the middle of life. Man, it'd be great if we could live in this wonderful life of worship. But there are bills to pay. There are relationships that hurt. And there are tasks to accomplish that we don't always want to. And there is pain and difficulty and challenge on the way. It would be great if we could live here. But we live between the promise and the fulfillment. And he said, Mary, I want you to know it's going to be hard. There is pain that you will experience, Mary, that will pierce your soul. As a parent. Reviewing Mary's story. Imagine how she felt when she saw her son hanging on that cross. 
Oh, there's wonder ahead. Don't lose the promise. But it's going to hurt on the way. But as he's explaining this to Mary, he's also explaining the way through. Because he's talking to her, not just as a mother, but he's talking to her as a sinner in need of a savior. She's to- he's talking about her baby, not just as her child, but, but as her king. And he says, Jesus, people aren't going to know what to do with him. Some people are going to hear his message and they're going to, they're going to love it and it's going to help them get towards wonder and worship. But man, some people, they're, they're going to hear his message and they're, they're going to think the whole promise is made up. And they'll dismiss him and they'll reject him and they'll turn from him. And still today, 2,000 years later, we see this dilemma played out. Mention Jesus. You get one of two reactions. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> right? This, this, this prophecy of Simeon's has been played out today because people don't know what to do with Jesus. But what I believe G- Simeon is saying to Mary is that if you want to get through this, if you want to see the promise fulfilled, if you want to live this life of wonder and awe and worship, You're going to have to let Jesus settle the issue of your heart in the right way. I'm I'm telling you now so that you can embrace it and not run from it. So he's going to divide hearts. Why will he divide hearts? Simeon says because he will expose hearts. Man, none of us like that, do we? None of us like getting caught, getting found out. We like to put on this show, this facade that that makes us seem something we're not. But Jesus comes and reveals our hearts, and a lot of people can't, can't handle that. The good news is that God can, because as he looks at our heart, he loves our heart, regardless of the mess it's in. And so I believe Simeon is saying to Mary, as you go through this horrible journey, don't just see Jesus as your son, but see him as your savior. And cling on to him as your savior. Because when you hold on to him as your savior, when you hold on to him as the fulfillment of that promise, as the object of your wonder, then you get through. And it's the same way for us this Christmas, right? Advent is about holding on to the promise. Advent is about finding worship Uh, that comes through wonder and awe. But it comes not in this uh, celestial one moment in time we're holding baby Jesus state. It's got to be lived in real life. Simeon tells us that, that the promise is important. He tells us that the worship is important. But he tells us before we get there, we, we, we got we to let Jesus do the work he needs to do in our heart we got to hold on to him. He will divide people, but we cannot let him divide us because he is the way and he is the truth and he is the life. 
what Simeon is talking here as the solution in this middle part is all wrapped around the heart. So here's the deal. If we want to put Jesus front and center this Christmas, if we want to see more of the awe and the wonder, we have to deal with the heart. More accurately, we need to let Jesus deal with the heart. We need to see the sin and the pain and the struggle and say, I'm sorry. We need to see the bruises and the hurt and the pain and say, will you heal me? We keep Jesus front and center when he let him deal with our hearts. Wonder starts with a promise. It ends in worship. But really, as Simeon says, it's all about our heart.